Hello, my name is Darden Scherg, and today I'll be talking about Hispanic immigrant families and some of the problems that we have seen facing minority groups within the context of our urban education course. I'll be looking to highlight some of the problems and solutions. More specifically, I'll be using the book of Isaiah as a case study of the educational chasm, looking at some of the inequalities that they face and barriers to educational opportunities. I would look at the possibility of offering more services and guidance for students of immigrant families in the Shelby County Schools. I would also like to talk about some interesting facts and statistics surrounding immigrants in the U.S. and most importantly, cover some solutions that I believe we as a community and school systems can do to help. Uh, so looking at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is from your typical immigrant family if that's something that could be regarded as typical. His father, Mario, and mother, Cristina Ramos, are both emigrated from life in Mexico. Their story revolves around danger and a little bit of luck. Coming to the U.S. without illegal means was rather difficult. Um, Isaiah's father felt that it would have been better to get a visa to enter the U.S., but Connolly suspected that the idea would have failed. Um... More specifically, uh, they had no family connections to the United States, which, uh, according to Connolly, shut off a major route to legal, legal immigration. Um, furthermore, he writes, Some visas are available in agricultural and other seasonal work, but they lasted only a few months. Mario and Christina could have tried to get an employment visa, but there were only 10,000 uh, such visas available each year to unskilled laborers worldwide. That's really interesting to note uh, because I think that was very eye-opening to me when I had read that. Um, you hear and see so much in the media and some of the issues and how much of a burden and all the problems that people assume that we face when we let uh, immigrants in, but we don't talk about um, really that, that bottleneck system of immigration that forces a lot of these families to get out of a bad situation. Um, uh, as Mario had noted, he came from a life in Mexico where corruption was common, according to uh, uh, the book, and the justice system barely functioned. And they oftentimes laws didn't really mean anything. And so it was really easy for a lot of these immigrant families to come over because... Really, the U.S. United States government didn't take their job very seriously on the border. Um, that is until about 2003 when they started to increase uh, border patrol and border enforcement. And uh, that's why we started to see more of the, the crime and uh, the dangers involving uh, illegal immigration. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of families had to move to uh, different means such as smuggling. And so they would work with and contact people um, that weren't always the most safe and the most uh, good people. And so they would pay lots of money to get their family transported over uh, in very dangerous conditions, crossing large rivers. Um, and traveling through deserts for many miles just to uh, go uninterrupted 
and get into the United States. And so Mario, he was able to get in on his own, but it was getting harder and harder for him to go back and visit his family and provide. And so he found that it was better that he brought the rest of his family over where they then settled in Memphis. Continuing on, I thought one really interesting thing I had uh, found looking back at an old multicultural education course that I had taken was this book called Class Rules, and it was exposing inequality in American high schools. And within the book, it mentioned that American classrooms are experiencing the largest influx of immigrant students since the beginning of the 20th century. Almost 14 million new immigrants, documented and undocumented, settled in the United States in the years from 2000 to 2010. And what's really interesting is that less less than 10% came from the nations in Europe. And more so than not, they were coming from countries such as Mexico, Asia, Latin America, the Caribbean, Central America, and many others. Um, Also, I further wanted to point out that Uh, The U.S. Department of Homeland Security estimated in January 2010 that 10.8 million undocumented immigrants were living in the United States. That was actually a decrease from the estimated 11.8 million in January 2007, among which were about approximately 3.2 million children and young adults, most of which who grew up in this country. So what does this say? I believe that this is saying that we need to recognize that the United States and schools are becoming more diverse. And with them becoming diverse, we must understand that we need to change how we structure the classroom, uh, structure our uh, programs after school, before school, during school, and what we can do to better meet the needs of immigrant families and students. But more specifically, I'll be focusing on Hispanic immigrants and hopefully uh, some of the barriers that we can break down to give them that educational opportunity to succeed. As I mentioned uh, previously, I wanted to discuss some of the barriers to educational opportunities for Hispanics in the United States. And there's actually a really great website that I was able to find and it was um, looking at uh, an article written by Barbara Schneider, Sylvia Martinez, and Ann Owens and they had to say this that you know for Hispanics in the United States educational experience is one of the accumulated disadvantage. Uh, Many Hispanic students begin formalized schooling without the economic and social resources that many other students receive, and schools are often ill-equipped to compensate for these initial disparities. For Hispanics, initial disadvantages often stem from parents, immigrants, and socioeconomic status, and their lack of knowledge about the United States education system. Uh, As Hispanic students proceed through the schooling system, the inadequate school resources and their weak relations with their with their teachers continue to undermine their academic success. Um, so I think, really, what they're trying to point out is that there's there's a gap, and I believe that in the Book of Isaiah it was called that educational chasm, and without 
you know, somebody crossing that gap or closing that gap, we will always be just brushing past each other and never truly solving problems. And so what I propose is offering programs and looking at ways that we can really reach out to these Hispanic families, specifically in a Memphis urban uh, Shelby school, Shelby County school setting. And part of that, uh, bridging the gap would be to really, I don't want to say bother, but be intrusive in the classroom by being intrusive. I mean, when I was at Northridge middle school, uh, there was so much prep that the school system was pushing on the 8th graders as they were getting prepared to go to the high school. I would love to see something similar implemented in a Shelby County school where really the teachers and the guidance counselors and the administration is going to these classes and reaching out to those students that are struggling. Um, I know that if if I had somebody that or if I had a student in my classroom that I was struggling to uh, break the gap and reach out to, it would bother me. But I don't think that's the case for all these teachers. And so I feel that if we have this extra assistance that is um, coming into these classrooms um, and really trying to make a difference, and by difference... You know, it's not just saying we made a difference. I think having high educational expectations for them and providing those resources, such as looking at college and career readiness opportunities, uh, working with trauma-informed education, um, not just using words but acting on them. And I think also including the community is also a bigger part of this problem and then looking to find that solution. Uh, and I, going back to the barriers of edu- to educational opportunities, um, another thing that they had noted was that despite these high educational expectations, Hispanics are among the least educated group in the United States. It goes on to note that 11% of those over the age of 5 or over the age of 25 have earned a bachelor's degree or higher with only, um, excuse me, with 17% of blacks, 30% of whites, and 49% of Asian Americans in the same age group. That's alarming to me. Um, I think that's very evident that there's clearly something keeping them from reaching a similar, if not uh, fair, amount of education beyond high school. Um, So yeah, next I will be talking more about these uh, guidance counselors and what we can do specifically. Just to give a quick little uh, context of the city of Memphis and to push the topic a little bit back towards uh, Memphis itself. Um, You know, Memphis isn't all that bad 
and it really has a negative connotation from a lot of different things over the years. Um, most specifically, the struggle between African Americans and whites with racial tensions. But, you know, just like any other community, they have a lot of positives. Um, in the book of Isaiah, it mentions, you know, the art scene growing exponentially. Uh, musical heritage that was passed down for years. Um, there's a revived downtown, a basketball team, an NBA team. And so I think there's a lot of good and I think that sense of community is trying to outweigh some of the bad connotations that have been put on Memphis. But it was also interesting to note how the shift in the 90s, um, in the census that they took in the, in the county, the Hispanic population was only about 7,000. And by about 2,000, um, shortly when the Ramos family had arrived in Memphis, there was about 23,000, or about 3% um, of the county's population was of a his Hispanic uh, origin. Um, and then by about 2010, the Hispanic population had more than doubled again to about 52,000. Um, that being about 6% of the county's population. And so I think this really highlights that the problem does exist that we are not meeting the needs of a diverse community. We see and recognize that it's changing, yet we are not working to solve the problem. And, you know, the problem being that, yes, we are diversifying, but offering a solution to that problem. And, you know, the solution that I ultimately wanted to find is uh, offering more productive means of offering that guidance and care for students of immigrant families. And so we're going to look more on that here very quickly. I don't think it's until we get to the introduction of uh, Margot, I believe is her name is pronounced, M-A-R-G-O-T, or Margot. I will try to pronounce that correctly. Um, so I think until we see Margot introduced in the book of Isaiah, I don't think that we had that true solution in that boots-on-the-ground scenario. And crazy enough, Margot worked for an outside agency, but as it's noted in the book of Isaiah, she played a role much like that of a guidance counselor. Um, Kingsbury students also had counseling help from um, individuals, but, you know, it was somebody who was really invested in their lives, like Margot, who could really reach these students that needed help. Uh, Margot, she, she came from a very troubled background when she was 17. Uh, she was molested. Um, she, she really did have all kinds of issues. She came um, she became a youth minister in her 20s, but by the age of 28, she was addicted to pills. 
Um, she became suicidal and had panic attacks. And uh, eventually she found God. But because of all these experiences in her life and her growing up, she wanted to share her story and be available for students. And so she was there and she works. Um, she came to Memphis, according to the book. She worked. She, she came to Memphis when the street founders um, asked for a local pastor who would work with uh, someone with with Hispanic people in the community. And uh, now she works you know, upwards of fifty to sixty hours per week. And for her, that that was never that's not work. And this, it's really her getting to just appreciate children, appreciate students, and provide support and solutions rather than, you know, just problems. Uh, I think often the hardest thing to do is propose a an end-all, be-all solution for a lot of these problems that have been highlighted. Um, you know, just a simple statistic like this found in the book of Isaiah. In a typical year at Kingsbury High, between 25 and 40 girls gave birth during the school year or had already had a child. Um, and that was according to Tamara Bradshaw. Um, she was a guidance counselor who worked with young mothers. And so it almost sounds as if, you know, there is opportunity available for these students to go out and seek help. But sometimes it really takes us to reach them and to go out to them to help them solve problems and not them having to go to us. Um, I know for a lot of people, myself specifically, um, I have trouble reaching out for help and looking for guidance, especially if I feel like there's something I want to be confident in and I want to, you know, solve it myself. Let alone thinking about some of the cultural gaps um, and some of the stigma behind being part of an immigrant family and some of the um, really highlighting that educational chasm or really that cultural chasm. Uh, it's really hard for a lot of the parents and members of the Hispanic community, especially in the Shelby County schools, to reach out. And I think if we can somehow begin to normalize the availability of counselors and really ramp up the idea of reaching these immigrant families... I think that not only will it prepare students for a better life after high school by being college and career ready, but also that they may be productive members of society. And really part of that adaptation is, you know, we we want we want everybody to transition over to American culture. But instead you know, maybe we can offer ways that really blends the culture instead of 
taking it and overriding an identity of people. And so that would be my solution is I would want to look at implementing uh, more ways of helping these students that might not know to reach out. If you can open up the opportunities and really reach out to them and cross that chasm, I think truly then these students uh, of these Hispanic families will feel comfortable to reach back knowing that somebody is reaching out to them. So with that, I think we are close to the end of our time. I really appreciate it, and thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day.